0: Love the control. Love the command. Love the space bar and the hard return. Love the words from East Leeds FM. Come
1: So you're listening to Love the Words here on East Leeds Community Radio from Chapel FM Art Centre live in Studio One. And I'm here today with somebody who has visited Chapel quite often and run a group here. And I've always been curious about what she actually does. Uh, Julie Walker from Words for Wellbeing. So hi, Julie. Hello. <laughs> nice to have you here.
0: Thank you. It's nice to be here.
1: And uh, yeah, I've been really. I mean, we've had chats in the past about the kind of things that you do. Mm-hmm. It always sounds fascinating, but it's a real opportunity for me to ask you some questions about yeah, the kind of range of things yeah. that you do. Yeah. So first of all, yeah, what yeah, what is Words for Wellbeing?
0: It's a small charity. Um based based in uh, Leeds, um, but we work in um Kirklees, Wakefield, sort of all over West Yorkshire, um and even train people nationally. Um but it's a bibliotherapy charity. And as soon as I say the word bibliotherapy, I mean what's that? And it's really difficult to explain. It's um it's using words really as um, a way to engage with people with mental health issues. Um, It's a stupid American word because we did look at sort of changing the word, but we're stuck with it. It's an official um, sort of term. And if I had a pound for every time somebody said, is it something to do with Bibles? I'd be rich and I wouldn't be sat here. (laughs) But um, it's, it's about using song lyrics, poetry and prose um, to just engage with people and get through those barriers that are often set up. Words are just so important in life that all we've got really to communicate properly with each other. And you don't have to be an intellectual or into poetry or into reading or even be able to read to take part in this Um We don't just, part of bibliotherapy is there are other organisations maybe that do reading aloud and then sharing what they've read. Um, And we do do some of that as well, but we use words in different ways as well. So, for example, for some sessions I might um, just get the first two words of a poem and the first two lines of a song, and then we'll sort of divide into groups and say, right, who thinks it's a song, who thinks it's a poem... Um, Mm -hmm. And I've got a little uh, uh, thing and we cut up poems sometimes, obviously ones that don't rhyme and put them together ourselves and see what we come up with. Um, And there's lots of different sort of things that we do. We've got the Mm -hmm. poem. Yesterday, I was at um, Ascot Croft on the rehabilitation um, and psychiatric ward um, at Ascot Croft. And I've got two books, Poem for the Day. And uh, we were looking, I read it from one book, the poem for the day that's their birthday and the one from the next book and I explained this very well and then they had to choose which one they, mm. they liked best but mm. as I say it's about really, it's not about bringing people to literature or appreciating poetry or anything of that <laughs> it's about using it as a jumping off point to start engaging with people and communicating and sort of Going off at a tangent, sometimes we might only have one poem. Um, So, for Mm. example, we did one on the First World War poets um, and I read a poem out and then we went off on a tangent and uh, somebody wondered whether um, the poet Siegfried Sassoon was any relation to Vidal Sassoon, the hairdresser. (laughs) I said, oh, I don't know, I'll find out. So I found out and he isn't actually, but it's, it's about sort of, Connecting with each other and sometimes, like song lyrics, everybody everybody just about, I think, have got some favourite song lyrics or something that speaks to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what this is about. It's not about literature or anything like that. It's just about connecting with words. But
1: Biblio, I suppose, I think it makes me think of books. Yeah. So do you, I, I had this idea that, you know, you kind of recommended Books to people to read because there's I've seen a, there's a group of po of poetry books isn't there which is uh, which are sort of po- poems for different sort of oh, states of, yes. of of emotion if you like if That's you're, if right, you're yes, suffering grief or love or break up and there's yes. a, you're prescribed poem by this book it's nothing to do with that
0: then. no it isn't. Um, we were, at because we started, there was uh, two others of us, he started his Kirklees Libraries, and we were asked um, by the reading agency, um, appreciated the work that we did, because it was so varied and mm-hmm. so accessible for anyone. Um, and they kept getting in touch with us. They've got a thing called um, Moodbuster Books in yeah. libraries, and they asked us to recommend books for those, and we refused, and we still don't prescribe books. I could prescribe personally once I've spoken to someone, Mm. but you can't be prescriptive. You can't say, right, if you're feeling depressed, this book will help you or this poem will help you because it might not. Mm. And some people the last thing they want to do is read a book with a depressed character in it. And other people will say, it's exactly what I want to know, that I'm not alone. So you can't be just generic like that. It is very personal and it has to be. So Mm. that's why we don't sort of um, do that, prescribe poems. But if I met someone and spoke to them and got to know them, then I could say, Oh, I think you might like this. Mm. Having said that, there are ones that sort of speak to people and um sort of certain things that we use regularly, but mm. you know
1: So you you said you talked about Ascot, um Granger? Ask at Croft. Ask at Croft. So, but, but other places where you work, and other groups and do you work one-to-one? How, 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 how's that spread of work?
0: It's um, groups. It's always in groups. And um, when we work in um, sort of clinical settings, and when we work in clinical settings, um, this is why you need to be diverse. A good bibliotherapist has a lot of tools in the tool bag because you need, I'll plan a session and go to deliver it and think, sit down, and two minutes later I'll think, that's not going to work today, (laughs) you know. So you've got to be able to change it and do something else. Um, And that's what it is. It is about sort of reading the group and going along with the group. I'm not the leader of the group. The group facilitates it themselves. I might be a facilitator and sort of, but they can take it and run with it where they want to go. Um, Mm. But, oh, I've gone off a bit there. No, not at all. Oh, no, no, yes, that was it. But um, so when I'm working in sort of um, clinical settings, um, I work somewhere when the doors open and people can come and go as they want to, because when you're not well, it might be a lot to ask for somebody to concentrate for... You know, you can only concentrate for a few minutes at a time and that's fine. So people Mm. can come and they can go as they want to. Um, And Mm. that's what it is. It's about flexibility. Do you
1: think people are, because there might be other starting points for getting people talking that are not so, people threatened by Language, aren't they? Words, yes. some some people really find it a put off. So how do you deal with that?
0: Yes. Well, I think they just, when they just um, come to the group, they, dis- they realise that it's it's about them. It's about what they think and what they respond to. And they can say what they want to. I mean, I take stuff and I'll say... I don't get this. I've, I know once on a ward, um, there was a woman walking up and down, wringing her hands and saying, I want to go home when can go home, I want to go home when can go home. So I did some rhythm poems because I thought that might ease her. And so she stopped saying she wanted to go home, but she was still walking up and down, wringing her hands. And um, I read a poem and I said, "I've I've got it. I know I've got the last two lines, but... I know there's a bit more there and I can't get it. I, I, it's just not clicking. Um, and she just said, oh, it means so. And it was. And I think she saw my face mm. because my face was like, oh, that's it. Mm. Finally, I've, I've realised. And she looked surprised. And then she came and sat down and joined the group. She was still agitated, yeah. but... That second of realizing that she still had something to offer mm. that she still knew something that's why I love it because it's it's reciprocal mm. it's not about school and using language to teach people or you know make them think what this language this is saying what it says to one person it may some say something entirely different to another and that is fine it's what your mm. reaction is
1: yes I mean we had a, we were chatting just before we went on air about the way that that literature, if you liked that that word that puts a lot of people off, is taught in schools. And I do I do remember a teacher when I was about 15, you know, he was a new teacher that year, and he, we were doing A-levels, thinking, was it, yeah, what was it, GCSEs? Anyway, he sat down and he said, I, don't, I read this book, but I really don't, I didn't really understand. I don't think I got it, rather, like you were saying. You know, I don't know what, you know, and I, it was a complete mind-blower to me. I thought, here's a teacher who isn't, telling me what this is about, but he's actually saying, I don't know, but what do you think? So I I suppose that's the spirit in which you are working, is it?
0: It is, yes, very much, Mm. very much. And people can, you know, sometimes a discussion might go way away from what we began with, and that's fine if everybody's happy with it. It's about connection and communication Mm. with each other, Mm. and it's just using... Uh, the words as a jumping-off point, really.
1: So have you... You were going to read something.
0: Yeah, I've got a poem that's one of my favourite all-time poems, and I like it because it's like taking a bath in language. You mm. don't have to understand what the words are. You can just sit back and sort of, oh, those are lovely words. They're very rich. It's a very rich, sensual poem. Um And so it's called A Birthday by Christina Rossetti. My heart is like a singing bird whose nest is in a watered shoot. My heart is like an apple tree whose boughs are bent with thick-set fruit. My heart is like a rainbow shell that paddles in a halcyon sea. My heart is gladder than all these because my love is come to me. Raise me a dais of silken down, hang it with ver and purple dyes, carve it in doves and pomegranates and peacocks with a hundred eyes, work it in gold and silver grapes, in leaves and silver fleur-de-lis, because the birthday of my life is come, my love is come to me.
1: Lovely stuff. In fact, I was just in Florence in Italy the last few days oh, seeing my son. And, yeah, she's buried in Florence. We nearly went. Apparently apparently, the, the English cemetery is now, I thought I had visions of it being in this lovely sort of arbour, but it's on a roundabout.
0: Oh, really? You're joking. <laughs> yeah, it's on a roundabout. Oh, Christina goes. Rosetti on a roundabout. <laughs> I know.
1: It's a funny thought, isn't it? There's, a, it is, uh, But, yeah. yes. Do you know Goblin Market? I by-
0: do. Oh right, yes, yes, Well,
1: we we always we play this. Elliot and I always play it during writing on air. We somebody came in and read it beautifully. I must send you a link to it actually, right?
0: Julie, yeah, because I think you'd like love
1: it. He was extraordinary. He did all the voices, um, and uh, yeah, we always repeat it during writing on air because we love it so much. Well, I do. I'm not sure, <laughs> <as> John <laughs> Elliot does. Um, so, to, what you? What about what brought you to this work, Julie?
0: Um, well. I've just always liked words and reading ever Mm. since I was a kid. Um, And um, I found it by chance, really. I I was, uh, before I had my children, I was a community psychiatric nurse. Um, So I worked in the community, trying to keep people out of hospital and on as least medication as possible. Um, And then when I had the kids, I went and did, as a mature student, I did a degree because I didn't get into any universities when I was young because I was... uh, I was just full of hormones and into boys and everything, so nobody offered me a place. But I got one as a mature student, and it was the right time for me. Mm. And I just loved it. Um, And Mm. it made me realise I sort of read things I hadn't read before, but it's that door that it opens inside you into other worlds, yes, but also into yourself, um, you can have reactions to things that you'd have thought, oh, I didn't, gosh. That, and, and your reaction at different times of life can be different because, I mean, I read um, On the Road by Jack Kerouac when I was about 18, I thought, oh, fantastic, what a free life. That's how he should be. Then I read it at about 42 and thought, well, I think we just need a good slapping. For having <laughs> to say it, grow up. <laughs> so,
1: I know, was how I felt. Yeah, a good, it?
0: It, it, it's, it's at different that Different times. Sometimes things yeah. can just pierce you with sudden joy. Um, well,
1: so. talking of sudden joy, we're going to hear a piece of music that you've mm-hmm. chosen by Etta James. Tell, tell us why you chose this, um,
0: I just love her voice and the way she phrases this and the way she sings it. You completely get the meaning. It's beautiful.
2: night I looked at you and I found a dream That I could speak to
1: so you're listening to Love the Words here on East Leeds Community Radio and I'm talking to Julie Walker from Words for Wellbeing. We're hearing about the wonderful things she does. So you really Julie you you kind of married your community psychiatry or psychology yeah. with your love of words to do this job. But you That's the I, you know, the Kirklees the Kirklees appointment or the Kirklees connection. Tell us about that. How how did you Persuade them. or did they did they come to you?
0: It was um, it was already um, an idea in the um, chief librarian's head um, to have some bibliotherapy groups, and she was very forward thinking and set it up. And there was um, three part timers, and then eventually, and eventually two retired, and I took it on just as full time rather than part time. Um, but it was very because libraries are the perfect place to do this kind of work because you're surrounded by books. Mm. You've got all the access. To books, mm. and we we set up the groups um, in the libraries to be when the libraries were open, and people had often sort of come in and sort of say, oh, "What's going on there?" Because the is laughing and you know having a joke and talking and everything, and people would sometimes just say, "Oh, you can you can come, you know, mm. come to the group." I also um, was doing sessions on um, some psychiatric wards. And so that was good because it meant that when people were discharged, they'd got they'd seen what a bibliotherapy group was mm. and so they could join one in the community mm. and there'd be a familiar face and they'd know what to expect. And so it was truly integrative. Mm. Um mm. so it was brilliant work that libraries were doing. And I mean I've I've trained um some librarians up in Fife and uh down in Bristol. Um, in the last couple of years for them to be able to do it um, but I think that they're so short of time now and, yeah. and resources because that's why Kirkley stopped because it was the, the role of bibliotherapist it was the only thing I did but it was getting reduced so it would have been a small part of my job and the rest of it would have been librarian and I couldn't do that so I... Um, I left and yeah. uh, set up Words for well-being.
1: So you say you do training, but who did did you do a training? I mean, why you think about as psychoanalysts or you know gestalt therapists? And then they all have they trained for like fifty years, and oh, then they did. yeah. So then a bibliotherapist, therapist, bad? Do you do you train for that?
0: Well, this is what, this was one of, it's still me bugbear. I think there should be a qualification in it. And that was what I would like to have seen. Um, But it's um, because I meet a lot of people who say, oh, I could do that. Oh, I think I love books. And and I think, "Mm, not sure um because it's not about you being the leader and it's mm. not about you bringing people to literature or things mm. like that and then i meet a lot of people who say oh i couldn't do that and i think oh you'd be brilliant um and i think it does because the ethos of words for well-being is that we um everybody <gasps> we work with employ freelancers or um whatever um have lived experience of a mental health issue because that gives you that insight um, and that gives you that depth of insight. Mm. Um, and so it's hard to define as a skill, but it is, it sounds unprofessional, but it's quite personality based. Mm um Mm. and you know you need to be sort of open and quirky and not frightened we do our training we have two levels there's the um introduction to bibliotherapy which is if you're wanting to work in libraries and community centers and so on and then we do a deeper one for if you're wanting to work in um clinical settings because there you need different skills um, because Mm. things can be quite unpredictable but we always work with occupational therapists and uh, I mean until recently I was working on the uh, forensic ward at um, Wakefield at Wakefield and and that was you know sort of really good, really very much an eye-opener. The OTs were saying, this is fantastic. We have never knew that um, he was interested in this or that they did that because this is what it does. It gets you to know the person, the person underneath. Um, So, for example, one rehabilitation unit in uh, Kirklees that I went to, there was one lady, I wasn't sure, she used to come every week, but she'd be... Head down, eyes closed, and I thought, I think she's asleep. But, well, she comes, so it's fine. Mm. But she mustn't have been asleep because once um, I read out um, something and it was about horses, and her head came up and she said, horses, I love horses. I used to have a horse when I was a little girl. And at, the the staff didn't know anything about that. And just up the road, there was a field with horses in it, mm. so they took mm. her out to visit the horses, and mm. um, you know, sort of. And they could talk to her then, and it was another way to engage with her as a person, yeah. rather than as a a patient, a, a person who's struggling, whatever. It's a person, mm. and that's what it's about.
1: So you say the occupational therapist obviously respected what you do. Do you find generally there is an acceptance of what you do uh, rather than a sort of sometimes, a, well, I, well, I just wonder whether there might be a... I've worked in prisons quite a bit and the idea of being a writer there doing poetry, not all the staff uh, take that particularly seriously.
0: Yes. Now, I've worked in Wakefield Prison actually for a short time. And um, no, I think... I think it's about communication, and that was interesting because there's not very high levels of literacy often in in prisons, but people could come to that group Mm. and they can hear, they can talk, they can speak, they can appreciate words, and even if they couldn't write them down or read them out, they could appreciate it and see what was there, and they could also see that they had that insight you know the human beings, and that's what it's about, and they could see you know how it how words related to them, and that's another thing because it's it does sort of give people um access to um better ways of explaining themselves. A psychiatrist stopped me in the corridor once at a hospital and he said, Do "You know since you've been um." This lady's been coming to your group because she'd she joined in the hospital and she'd been discharged and was in a um, community group. Uh, he said she's been coming to those groups. Um, her outpatient appointments are so much better because he said you know she comes and i say how are you feeling and she say, oh depressed and then he say how depressed and she well not as much as last time but worse than the time before and and you know it's difficult to understand how someone's feeling but he said now she comes and she'll say well i feel like i've got a great big sideboard on top of my head and it's pushing me down and he said i can really understand how she's feeling okay. and there was another man who was living with um, bipolar Uh, disorder and he um, his psychiatrist because he used to come to our groups and because we do encourage people to bring their own um, work as well if they want to and share it with others and he used to bring um, bring his his work and read it out and his psychiatrist had started saying to him let me read pick a couple of poems and let me read them before we start talking and I know I'll get a better idea of where you are. So it's this sort of yeah. helping people to sort of communicate better.
1: I love the you idea know. of the, you know them using metaphors to yeah. to. Yeah, to to describe how they feel, that's so much, yeah, I get get that totally, it's a picture, isn't it? It
0: is, yeah, Yeah, and that's what they do, and it means that they're not scared of words, because like you were saying at the beginning, people often think, oh, you've got to be intellectual Mm. or clever or a writer or something to appreciate Mm. poetry and literature and and song lyrics and things, but Mm. actually you don't, you just need to be human.
1: And I actually, when I was working in prisons, I worked a lot with young men, you know, who were often in there for violent, for sudden outbursts of violent violence, you know,
2: yeah. uh,
1: just that erupted in a, in an argument, say in a domestic uh, yeah. argument. And I think I always felt it was because they couldn't express themselves in words. Absolutely. That that happened. Yes. And I just think if you give people confidence in language mm. and confidence to explain how they feel, and men are, are you know, well, known for not being very good at that anyway, yeah. but and um, talking about feelings and so on. But if you give them the wherewithal and the confidence to do it, that might actually diffuse situations.
0: Absolutely, I think it does. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so and you, it also leads yeah. to understanding.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you might bring along a, a first line of a poem or a part of a poem and just say, What's this about? or uh, I mean, I'm, I yeah. might
0: do, I mean, um, like yesterday. Um, I didn't do it, so I'll do it in January because we're doing Christmas next week. Um, but I uh, cut up, um, I cut off the title of a poem, of a lot of poems, and spread them out on the table, mm. and then say to people, "Pick one that speaks to you, or just take a lucky dip," because yeah. some people might not be able to read. So, yeah. um, so people pick. Pick it, and then they will say what the title is, and say, "Oh, what do you think that's gonna be about? What's its mood gonna be? What mm. do you think it's gonna be about?" Because, and and then, you know, eventually, I'll read out that the rest of the group will say, "Oh, I think it's about this. I think it'll be. Oh, I think it'll be a happy one. No, oh, I think it'll be dark. You know, and mm. and it's really interesting to see all those different interpretations, and then to get to the poem."
1: So Lovely. I mean, you've got another poem to read, which I'd love to hear.
0: Yeah, well, it's one I know off by heart, and it's just to show that it doesn't always have to be sort of serious stuff. But seriously, I do think that this poem should always be read out at weddings, and it's called Advice to Husbands by Ogden Nash. And it is, To keep your marriage brimming with love in the loving cup, Whenever you're wrong, admit it. Whenever you're right, shut up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that's great. Actually, that's very good, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's wonderful. Yeah, um, but that's
0: it. I mean, you can have a laugh, you see. It, it doesn't yeah. have to be serious. We have some real laughs sometimes. Yeah. It it goes where the mood of the group is that
3: day.
1: So, Julie, this is brilliant. I've, I know so much more now about what you do. It's fantastic. So, you there are a few things... You wanted to talk about particularly about this new texting service you have.
0: Yes, yeah, it's completely free um, and anybody in Leeds um, can sign up for it. If they want to get in touch with me um, and they can do that through our Words for Wellbeing Facebook or um, Words for Wellbeing um, through the website Mm. um, or even... Just contact Chapel FM and ask if they can um, pass it on to me. Um, But what they'll do is once a week, never at the same time or on the same day, so it's a nice surprise, they'll get um, a text of a couple of lines of poetry, a couple of song lyrics, uh, a quote or something, Mm. and it costs them nothing um, they can delete it if it doesn't mean you know anything to them. Um, but it's just a connection through words, really. And mm. they don't have to respond, although often we do get responses from people. Mm. Um, but really, you don't have to respond. Um, and sometimes it's just that serendipity thing. Sometimes it's just the right words at the right time to that one person. And they'll say, mm. that really struck me. But it's not all that you know when you go in these little tea shops with a little yeah. live laugh love stuff yeah, up it's yeah. not those kind of things it's not oh look at it half full half mm. empty it's um lots of different things i mean i read quite a lot and if i just see a phrase in a in a book mm. um you know i'll write it down and you know send it out and um mm. so it's lots of different things and different moods as well
1: and so you select these pieces and then text them?
0: Select them right. and then text them out. And Beautiful. it's just a nice surprise. Monday to Friday and you don't know when you're going to get it. And I think, well, from feedback I've had, a lot of people often pass them on to their mm. sort of friends and things. and Ooh you my know, God, myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're welcome to.
1: <laughs> and there's also, if people wanted to do the training... To be yes. volunteers, for instance. How does that work?
0: Um Well, just get in touch with me and you can come along to... Um, if you're a volunteer, it'll be free, free training. Mm. Um, and there will be some in the new year, probably around March time. Um And if you come and do the training, it's a day's training, and you'll get your lunch and your expenses paid. Um, and see if it is sort of for you really Mm. it's it goes deeper into what bibliotherapy is gives you a few of the tools um so we would like to have some volunteers um who would be able to do this job and obviously we'd mentor people Mm. um we're particularly looking for volunteers in the um in this area Leeds 14 area um to um run groups And we're also looking for people to just come along to our groups as well um, Mm -hmm. in this area. And we're setting up a Zoom group where we've set it up. um, And that's obviously Leeds wide. Um, And it's going to be on Mondays. The first one will be Monday, not the 15th, the week after that. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. 22nd, 22nd of January. Um, And if people again want to get in touch, I will send them the link to join the Zoom group. You don't have to come to every group. It's a weekly group on a Monday at two o'clock. And if the time isn't quite right, people can let me know and we can see if we can change that time mm. or day because this is what we're trying to find out. When, when's the best time for people to, to come to a group? Okay. So, yeah. you know, if if they want to... And it's a Zoom group, it's by Zoom, um, yeah. which is a bit different from person to person because I, I discovered myself in lockdown because we did a lot of Zoom groups in lockdown and I discovered one volunteer, I had to say to her, we had to have a secret sign. She used to scratch her neck for her to say, shut up, Julie, because... <laughs> In a group, in a person-to-person group, I can be quiet. But I found I couldn't stand a silence on Zoom, and I kept mm. jumping in, and I had to, you know, hold myself, rein myself in, and think, nope, no. Because sometimes you got to give people a minute or two to just, yeah. just absorb something. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs>
1: Great. And I mean just one final question. Is there a kind of bibliotherapy community in this country?
0: No, there isn't. There's there's ones that do it lots of different ways. There's mm. there's some there's a school of life that Alan de Botton down in London, but they're very much prescriptive and you pay for yeah. it and I don't think there's any and, and there's other ones that are based on reading aloud. Um I, there's no one that's doing it like like we've done, um and you know we've been doing this a long time, and we're constantly um getting new resources, you know new different ways of using words we've got all sorts of things. We also have packs of cards as well uh the ten pounds if anybody wants to buy them um mm-hmm. and you just do it through our website and it's fifty two poems, so there's a poem for every um week of the year and um all sorts of little short poems, and they're nice to give us a present or something. Yeah, yeah.
1: lovely, that's fine. Well, thanks ever so much, Julie. It's been really brilliant. brilliant to uh, yeah, have you got anything to read?
0: I to have, I've Good. just got one last one great uh, to finish off with. Now, I use Nikita Gill quite a lot, but this one is I love this book, it's Stuff I've Been Feeling Lately by Alicia Cook, and um, she just um puts she she writes a poem and she just calls it a track and then she writes what she was listening to when she wrote it. Mm. And this one I'm going to read, she was currently listening to Eminem Till I Collapse. So, this is is track 17. Sometimes you don't realise you're holding yourself together until you aren't anymore. Suddenly, you're not the same person you thought you were, just moments before no you are not okay you are not fine but you will be when I say you'll be okay I do not mean that you will wake up one day and be the same person you were before the pain pain changes a person but you will discover a new version of yourself one who's experienced the great sadness that only follows a great loss one who knows the value of a good cry. One who knows that even after the coldest of winters, spring will still arrive.
1: Lovely, and that's a great place to end. So thank you very much, thank Julie, you. talking to us about Words for well-being. So we're going to have some music now to finish off, which you've chosen. So why did you choose Fleetwood Mac?
0: I just chose this one because I always put it on when I'm feeling a bit, ooh, heck, I don't I don't face the world or I'm feeling a bit fed up. And it's just about, you know... Ooh, tomorrow. So that's why I chose it. Thank
1: you very <laughs> much. So we're going to hear something now, which we've been talking about uh, in the interview um, that I just did with Julie Walker, when, for, who is Words for Wellbeing. We were talking about, about yeah, language and the richness of language, and Christina Rossetti, the poem that you read, Julie. So we're going to hear Goblin Market now, uh, which is one of our favourite uh, pieces here at Chapel FM. It was uh, done by Anzia Boudou. Uh, several years ago we played quite a bit because we love it and because, uh, yeah, I kind of request for you, Julie. So (laughs) here's Anzia with Christina Rossetti's Goblin Market. Uh, This
3: is Goblin Market by Christina Rossetti. Morning and evening maids heard the goblins cry. Come buy our orchard fruits, come buy, come buy. Apples and quinces, lemons and oranges, plum, pompet, cherries, melons and raspberries, bloom down cheek peaches, swarted in mulberries, wild freeborn cranberries, crab apples, dewberries, pineapples, blackberries, apricots, strawberries, all ripe together in summer weather. Morns that pass by, fair eaves that fly, come by, come by, our grapes fresh from the vine, pomegranates full and fine, dates and sharp bullices, rare pears and green gauges, damsons and bilberries, taste them and try, currants and gooseberries, bright firelight barberries, figs to fill your mouth, citrons from the south, sweet to tongue and sound to eye, come by, come by. Evening by evening, among the brookside rushes, Laura bowed her head to hear Lizzie veiled her blushes, crouching close together in the cooling weather, with clasping arms and cautioning lips, with tingling cheeks and fingertips. Lie close, Laura said, pricking up her golden head. We must not look at goblin men, we must not buy their fruits. Who knows upon what soil they fed their hungry, thirsty roots. Come, by, called the goblins, hobbling down the glen. Oh, cried Lizzie, Laura, Laura, you should not peep at goblin men. Lizzie covered up her eyes, covered close lest they should look. Laura reared her glossy head and whispered like the restless brook. Look, Lizzie, look, Lizzie, down the glen tramp little man. One holds a basket, one bears a plate, one lugs a golden dish of many pounds weight. How fair the vine must grow whose grapes are so luscious. How warm the wind must blow through those fruit bushes. No, said Lizzie, no, no, no. Their offers should not charm us. Their evil gifts will harm us. She thrust a dimpled finger in each ear, shut eyes and ran. Curious Laura chose to linger, wondering at each merchantman. One had a cat's face, was- one whisked a tail, one tramped at a rat's pace, one crawled like a snail, one like a wombat, proud obtuse and furry, one like a rattle, tumbled hurry-scurry. She heard a voice like voice of doves, cooing all together. They sounded kind and full of loves in the pleasant weather. Laura stretched her gleaming neck like a rush-embedded swan, like a lily from the beck, like a moonlit poplar branch, like a vessel at the launch when its last restraint is gone. Backwards up the mossy glen turned and trooped the goblin man with their shrill repeated cry, Come boy! Come boy! When they reached where Laura was, they stood stock still upon the moss, leering at each other, brother with queer brother, signalling each other, Brother with sly brother. One set his basket down, one reared his plate. One began to weave a crown of tendrils, leaves and rough nuts brown. Men sell not such in any town. One heaved the golden weight of dish and fruit to offer her. Come boy, come boy, was still their cry laura stared but did not stir longed but had no money the whistled merchant bade her taste in tones as smooth as honey the cat face purred the rat pace spoke a word of welcome and even the snail paste was heard one parrot voiced and jolly cried pretty goblin still for pretty polly one whistled like a bird but Sweet Tooth Laura spoke in haste, "'Good folk, I have no coin to take with a polloin. "'I have no copper in my purse. "'I have no silver either, and all my gold "'is on the furs that shakes in windy weather "'above the rusty heather.'" "'You have much gold upon your head?' "'They answered all together. "'Buy from us with a golden curl.'" She clipped a precious golden lock. She dropped a tear more rare than pearl. Then sucked their fruit globes fair or red. Sweeter than honey from the rock. Stronger than man rejoicing wine. Clearer than water flowed that juice. She never tasted such before. How should it cloy with length of use? She sucked and sucked and sucked. The more fruits which that unknown orchard bore she sucked until her lips were sore then flung the emptied rinds away but gathered up one kernel stone and knew not was it night or day as she turned home alone Lizzie met her at the gate, full of wise upbraidings. Dear, you should not stay so late. Twilight is not good for maidens, should not loiter in the glen, in the haunts of goblin men. Do you not remember, Jeanie? how she met them in the moonlight, took their gifts, both choice and many, ate their fruits and wore their flowers, plucked from bowers where summer ripens at all hours? But ever in the moonlight, she pined and pined away, sought them by night and day, found them no more, but dwindled and grew grey. Then fell with the first snow. While to this day no grass will grow where she lies low, I planted daisies there a year ago that never blow. You should not loiter so. Nay, hush, said Laura. Nay, hush, my sister. I ate and ate my fill, yet my mouth waters still. Tomorrow night I will buy more, and kissed her. Have done with sorrow. I'll bring you plums tomorrow, fresh on their mother twigs, cherries worth getting. You cannot think what figs my teeth have met in, what melons icy coal piled on a dish of gold too huge for me to hold, what peaches with a velvet nap, pellucid grapes without one seed. Odorous indeed must be the mead, whereon they grow and pure the wave they drink, with lilies at the bridge. And sugar, sweet their sap. Golden head by golden head, like two pigeons in one nest, Folded in each other's wings, they lay down on their curtain bed. Like two blossoms on one stem, like two flakes of new fallen snow, Like two wands of ivory tipped with gold for awful kings. Moon and stars gazed in at them, wind sang to them lullaby. Lumbering owls forbore to fly, not a bat flapped to and fro round their rest. Cheek to cheek and breast to breast, locked together in one nest. Early in the morning, when the first cock crowed his warning, neat like bees as sweet and busy, Laura rose with Lizzie, fetched in honey, milk the cows aired and set to right the house. Needed cakes of whitest wheat, cakes for dainty mouths to eat. Next churned butter, whipped up cream, fed their poultry, sat and sewed, talked as modest maidens should. Lizzie with an open heart, Laura in an absent dream. One content, one sick in part, one warbling for the mere bright day's delight, one longing for the night. At length, slow evening came. They went with pitchers to the reedy brook. Lizzie, most placid in her look, Laura, most like a leaping flame. They drew the gurgling water from its deep. Lizzie plucked purple and rich golden flags, then turning homeward, said, The sunset flushes those furthest, loftiest crags. Come, Laura, not another maiden lags, no wilful squirrel wags. The beasts and birds are fast asleep. But Laura loitered still among the rushes and said the bank was steep and said the hour was early still the dew not fallen, the wind not chill listening ever but not catching the customary cry come boy, come boy with its iterated jingle of sugar-baited words not for all her watching once discerning even one goblin racing, whisking, tumbling, hobbling let alone the herds that used to tramp along a glen in groups or single of brisk fruit merchantmen. Till Lizzie urged, Oh, Laura, come, I hear the fruit call, but I dare not look. You should not loiter longer at this brook. Come with me home. The stars rise, the moon bends her arc, Each glowworm winks her spark. Let us get home before the night grows dark, For clouds may gather, though this is summer weather. Put out the lights and drench us through, Then if we lost our way, what should we do? Laura turned cold as stone, to find her sister heard that cry alone, that goblin cry, Come buy our fruits, come buy! Must she then buy no more such dainty fruit? Must she no more such sucker's pasture find, gone deaf and blind? Her tree of life drooped from the root. She said not one word in her heart's sore ache, but peering through the dimness, not discerning, trudged home, her picture dripping all the way. So crept to bed and lay silent till Lizzie slept. Then sat up in passionate yearning and gnashed her teeth for balked desire and wept as if her heart would break. Day after day, night after night, Laura kept watch in vain. In sullen silence of exceeding pain, she never caught again the goblin cry Come, boy! Come, boy! she never spied the goblin men hawking their fruits along a glen but when the noon waxed bright her hair grew thin and grey she dwindled as the fair moon doth turn to swift decay and burn her fire away One day, remembering her kernel stone, she set it by a wall that faced the south, dewed it with tears, hoped for a root, watched for a waxing shoot, but there came none. It never saw the sun, it never felt the trickling moisture run, while with sunk eyes and faded mouth she dreamed of melons, as a traveller sees false waves in desert drought with shade of leaf-crowned trees and burns the thirstier in the sandful breeze. She no more swept the house, tended the fowls or cows, fetched honey, needed cakes of wheat, brought water from the brook, but sat down listless in the chimney nook and would not eat. Tender Lizzie could not bear to watch her sister's cankerous care, yet not to share. She night and morning caught the goblins cry, come by our orchard fruits, come by, come by. Beside the brook along the glen she heard the tramp of goblin men, the yoke and stir poor Laura could not hear, longed to buy fruit to comfort her, but feared to pay too dear. She thought of Jeanie in her grave, who should have been a bride, but who for joy's bride's hope to have fell sick and died in her gay prime in earliest winter time, with the first glazing rhyme, with the first snowfall of crisp winter time till Laura dwindling seemed knocking at death's door then Lizzie weighed no more better and worse but put a silver penny in her purse, kissed Laura crossed the heath with clumps of firs at twilight halted by the brook and for the first time in her life began to listen and look I laughed every goblin when they spied her peeping came to water hobbling, flying, running, leaping, puffing and blowing, chuckling, clapping, crowing Clucking and gobbling, mopping and mowing, full of airs and graces, pulling wry faces, demure grimaces, cat-like and rat-like, rattle and wombat-like, snail-paced in a hurry, parrot-voiced and whistler, helter-skelter, hurry-scurry, chattering like magpies, fluttering like pigeons, gliding like fishes, hugged her and kissed her, squeezed and caressed her, stretched up their dishes, panniers and plates... Look at our apples, russet and done, bob at our cherries, bite at our peaches, citrons and dates, grapes for the asking, pears red with basking, out in the sun, plums on their twigs, pluck them and suck em pomegranates, figs. Good folk, said Lizzie, mindful of Jeanie, give me much and many. Held out her apron, tossed them her penny. Nay, take a seat with us, honour and eat with us, they answered, grinning. Our feast is but beginning, night yet is early, warm and dew pearly, wakeful and starry. Such fruits as these no man can carry. Half their bloom would fly, half their dew would dry, half their flavour would pass by. Sit down and feast with us, be welcome guest, with us, cheer you and rest with us. Thank you, said Lizzie, but one waits at home alone for me. So without further parleying, if you will not sell me any of your fruits, though much and many, give me back my silver penny I tossed you for a fee." They began to scratch their pates, no longer wagging, purring, but visibly demurring, grunting and snarling. One called her proud, cross-grained, uncivil, their tones waxed loud, their looks were evil. Lashing their tails, they trod and hustled her, elbowed and jostled her, clawed with their nails, barking, mewing, hissing, mocking, tore her gown and soiled her stocking, twitched her hair out by the roots, stamped upon her tender feet, held her hands and squeezed their fruits against her mouth to make her eat. White and golden Lizzie stood, like a lily in a flood, like a rock of blue-veined stone, lashed by tides obstreperously, like a beacon left alone in a hoary-roaring sea, sending up a golden fire, like a fruit-crowned orange tree, white with blossomed honey sweet, sore beset by wasp and bee, like a royal virgin town, topped with gilded dome and spire, close beleaguered by a fleet mad to tug her standard down. One may lead a horse to water, twenty cannot make him drink. Though the goblins cuffed and caught her, coaxed and fought her, bullied and besought her, scratched her, pinched her, black as ink, kicked and knocked her, mauled and mocked her, Lizzie uttered not a word, would not open lip from lip, lest they should cram a mouthful in, but laughed in heart to feel the drip of juice that syruped all her face, lodged in dimples of her chin, and streaked her neck, which quaked like curd at last the evil people worn out by her resistance flung back her penny kicked their fruit along whichever road they took not leaving root or stone or shoot some ride into the ground some dived into the brook with ring and ripple some scudded on the gale without a sound some vanished in the distance In a smart ache, tingle, Lizzie went away, knew not was it night or day, sprang up the bank, tore through the furs, threaded cops and dingle, and heard her penny jingle bouncing in her purse. Its bounce was music to her ear, she ran and ran as if she feared some goblin man dogged her with jibe or curse or something worse. But not one goblin scurried after, nor was she pricked by fear, the kind heart made her windy-paced and urge her home quite out of breath with haste and inward laughter. She cried, Laura, up the garden, did you miss me? Come and kiss me, never mind my bruises, hug me, kiss me, suck my juices, squeeze from goblin fruits for you, goblin pulp and goblin dew, eat me, drink me, love me, Laura, make much of me, for your sake I've braved the glen and had to do with goblin men. Laura started from her chair, flung her arms up in the air, clutched her hair. Lizzie, Lizzie, have you tasted for my sake the fruit forbidden? Must your light like mine be hidden? Your young life like mine be wasted, undone in mine undoing, and ruined in my ruin, thirsty, cankered, goblin ridden? She clung about her sister, kissed and kissed and kissed her. Tears once again refreshed her shrunken eyes, dropping like rain. After long sultry drought, shaking with anguish, fear, and pain, she kissed and kissed her with a hungry mouth. Her lips began to scorch, that juice was wormwood to her tongue. She loathed the feast, writhing as one possessed, she leapt and sung, rent all her robe and wrung her hands in lamentable haste and beat her breast. Her locks streamed like the torch borne like a racer at full speed, or like the mane of horses in their flight, or like an eagle when she stems the light straight towards the sun, or like a caged thing freed, or like a flying flag when armies run. Swift fire spread through her veins, knocked to her heart, met the fire smouldering there, and overbore its lesser flame. She gorged on bitterness without a name. Ah, fool to choose such part of soul-consuming care, since failed in the mortal strife. Like the watchtower of a town which an earthquake shatters down. Like a lightning-stricken mass. Like a wind-uprooted tree spun about. Like a foam-topped waterspout spout cast headlong in the sea, she fell at last. Pleasure passed, and anguish past. Is it death or is it life? Life out of death that night long lizzie watched by her counted her pulses flagging stir felt for her breath held water to her lips and cooled her face with tears and fanning leaves But when the first birds chirped about their eaves, and early reapers plodded to the place of golden sheaves and dew-wet grass, bowed in the morning winds so brisk to pass, and new buds with new day opened of cup-like lilies on the stream, Laura awake as from a dream, laughed in the old innocent way, hugged Lizzie but not twice or thrice, her gleaming locks showed not one thread of grey, her breath was sweet as May and light dance in her eyes days weeks months years afterwards when both were wives with children of their own their mother hearts beset with fears their lives bound up in tender lives laura would call the little ones and tell them of her early prime those pleasant days long gone of not returning time would talk about the haunted glen, the wicked quaint fruit merchant men, their fruits like honey to the throat, but poison in the blood, Men sell not such in any town, would tell them how her sister stood in deadly peril to do her good and win the fiery antidote, then joining hands to little hands, would bid them cling together, for there is no friend like a sister, in calm or stormy weather, to cheer one on the tedious way, to fetch one if one goes astray, to lift one if one totters down, to strengthen whilst one stands.